So before we start the sermon today, I just want to uh, talk you through one or two things that I think are important that we need to address moving into. And if you can adjust that volume up here for me, guys, that'd be great. I'm getting a lot of feedback up here. Can we, book, can we agree with the basis that Jesus is God? Can we agree on that? I think that most people that are followers of Jesus would agree with that. Uh, the next thing that uh, I want to ask is, do you believe that Jesus did all the miracles as God or as man? It's an important, it's an important question because if you, if you answer he did it because he was God, then it will be next of it to impossible for you to ever move into the life that Jesus intends for you. The correct answer really is yes, but when, 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 when you ask this either or question, because he was God, uh, but he didn't perform the miracles as God. He performed the miracles as man. In the Old Testament, when the Messiah is prophesied about, the Messiah is prophesied as a human, that he would be a descendant of David, that he would have a mother being born of a virgin birth. Even Jesus himself in John chapter 8, when they, uh, they were attempting to kill him, here's what he said. He goes, you're trying to kill me, a man who told you the truth. Jesus in scripture showed all of the traits of a human being. He was tempted. He was hungry. If it was in this day, he would be hungry for Chick-fil-A. He was thirsty. He was tired. He slept. He had questions. He showed emotions. He prayed. He experienced pain. He experienced death. When he was in a crowd of people and the woman who had an issue of blood touched him, he asked the question, who touched me? In his hometown of Nazareth, it says that he couldn't do miracles there. He only did a few healings. It doesn't say that he wouldn't. It said that he couldn't. In Acts chapter 22, in referring to Jesus, the apostles said, Jesus of Nazareth, a man accredited by God. Scripture goes on to tell us that there is no other mediator between God and men than the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus being a man, perfect without sin, needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit to do the works that his Father destined for him to do. I believe there's no greater example of us needing the baptism of the Holy Spirit than Jesus himself. We receive the, the Holy Spirit upon con, uh, conversion when our dead souls became alive with the Holy Spirit, but Jesus was never dead in his soul. He never sinned. And yet, in order to do what he was intended to do, it required him having the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to understand that Jesus came and lived the life we were meant to live and died the death that we're, was intended for us so that we can now live our lives 
in his image now and forevermore. Why is this important? Because as we look today, if you don't believe that it requires the Holy Spirit to do miracles, if you think that only Jesus did it because he was God, then you will never look to him as a pattern for your everyday life. You'll just assume that that's something that happened off in the distant. But when we talk about Jesus meets, you have to understand that Jesus meets through you and I. And so we have to live the life that he lived. So we have to live that life through the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Because what the Holy Spirit allows to happen in our lives, it allows us to move beyond our own human limitations. How many of you have human limitations? Really, everyone, because you're all human. All of you right now are thinking of somebody who doesn't think of themselves as human, because they don't have any limitations. Well, let's look at the scripture in Luke today. In Luke, Jesus is here in chapter, you know, bring that up for me on the screen. The, uh, in John chapter 1, I don't know why I thought I was in Luke, and I didn't actually put the reference in my own notes, so I forgot. John chapter 1, which is a perfect place to be, says this, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, what Scripture does here is Scripture, it gives us the account of Jesus meeting Philip first. And then it kind of goes and gives behind the scenes what it took to get Philip to meet Jesus. Because it says, now Philip was from Bethsaida and the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found uh, Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. He said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open up and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So here Jesus meets Nathanael. But here's really what happens. I want you to catch this. Jesus meets a know-it-all. He meets a know-it-all. And I'm sure nobody in this room knows somebody who is a know-it-all. You know, know know-it-alls tends to be a person who is argumentative. They're condescending. They like to use the phrase, well, actually, when you talk to them, you find they tend to move the goalposts so you can never score a point. They've got an inflated sense of ego, this 
this inflated sense of self-importance. Michael Lynch wrote a book, Know-It-All Society, and in it, he writes that the internet and social media provided easy access to information that caused people to believe that they were experts in various subjects. This caused an extreme form of tribalism. People are far less flexible on various topics and more emotional than necessary. Does that sound like your world? Sure, we all live with people who have this preoccupation with self-esteem and self-love and self-glory. And actually, this makes reaching our circle of influence rather difficult. Because we tend to look at people and go, why even bother trying to overcome a know-it-all? You have to understand that Nathaniel, he was a know-it-all. He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? I want you to catch this because when Jesus greets him, Jesus compliments him. Jesus says, here comes a guy who, of Israel who has no guile in him. And what's his response? How do you know me? Not thank you. I appreciate that. Not, not even turning and bragging to the guy. See what he thinks of me? He immediately wants to know why Jesus knows about him. Because he expects to know it all. And Jesus' response here is, it's significant. It's, it's really important for us because it really takes Nathaniel's eyes and he responds in a way that is not normal. That's not casual. It's passionate when he comes back. There's a joke that when uh, it comes to a know-it-all, it goes a little bit like this. Uh, why does the know-it-all cross the street? Well, the know-it-all cross, crosses the street to prove they know everything on the other side of the street too. But on the other side of Nathaniel Street, he found Jesus. And when he finds Jesus, Jesus says, I know something about you that you didn't even know that I knew. And it caused his eyes to get really big. It caused him to recognize that he was in the presence of something that he couldn't even argue with. And here's what I want you to connect with today. That beliefs and opinions and arguments are no match for the supremacy of supernatural knowledge. Beliefs, opinions, and arguments are no match for the supremacy of supernatural knowledge. We serve a God who knows all time, all the time, at one time. And Jesus, through the inspiration and the unction of the Holy Spirit, accessed that knowledge to overcome a belief system, an argument, an opinion of a know-it-all. And so it's critical for us to be able to access supernatural knowledge in order to reach our circle of influence. Pastor told me a story a number of years ago about a church meeting. And they had assembled at a church meeting on whether or not they should 
buy some property in order to build a future sanctuary. And as they were having the membership meeting, they were, they were following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And one man on one side stands up and says, God has said we are to buy this property. A guy on the other side stands up and says, God has said we will never build on this property. Now, in our world, and this goes back, by the way, to the, uh, about 2009, but in our world today, immediately we would say, boy, a line is drawn. You're either on one side or you're on the other side. Because we live in a society that has so divided that even when it came to vaccines in uh, our COVID world, half of the church said that if you have faith, you won't get it. And the other half said, I have faith and I'm getting it. And it divided because we fell right into the society that is a know-it-all society. But do you know that the pastor went on to talk about how both of them were correct? They went ahead and they purchased the property. And within one year, the city rezoned that property and they resold it for three times what they paid for it. I told a story to our group last night that I was in a, in a, a retreat and the, the majority of the, the people at the retreat were not pastors, but there happened to be a pastor from, uh, from Nebraska that was amongst us. And I was one of the prayer partners off on the side. And, and as we were doing one of the sessions, they, he came to me for this particular session of blessing that we were doing. And as he came, I just looked at him. I said, do you want me to bless you? Or do you want me to just tell you what the Lord is, is saying to me about your life right now? And he said, oh, I want you to do that. Because he's not unlike people in your and I's life. He was judging me. He was evaluating this ability to actually reach into the eternal and pull a part of knowledge that is not humanly possible. I didn't know him literally from Adam. I'd only met him that literally that day. And so I began to pray for him. And, and, I, and I said a lot of different things. And of all the things that I, did, that I said in there, there was one thing that I didn't even realize that, that I thought was more, more out of my own richardness than any kind of godness. And, and, and in all the things I was talking to him about, I said, I just see you walking up to the almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth, and giving him a high five. And then I went on and said, what else would I say? Because you don't end with something like that, right? And so I had to get some spiritual words after that. And when I said amen, he stepped back and he stared at me and he goes, why did you say what you said? I said, what did I say? And he said, why did you say I would go up and high five the almighty God? I said, well, I don't know. Well, I guess because. And he goes, because you don't know this about me. I'm known as the high five guy. We serve a God who knows all time, all the time at one time. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have this ability to access, to overcome beliefs, opinions, and arguments because they are no match for supernatural knowledge. So how do we grow into this and utilize the gift of knowledge? Well, when we think about growing, there are three words I want you to really think about. Humbleness awareness, and skillfulness. It starts with humbleness. And what you have to understand about humbleness is, and it's important you get this, God is not going to humble you. 
Nowhere in scripture does it say God humbles you. God will humiliate us. So we will humble ourselves, but we humble ourselves. And the first act of humbling ourselves is just admitting we don't know. Have you admitted you don't know anything this week? I think it's good to do that. I think it's good to do that about spiritual things. There are a lot of things that we don't know. The group that I was at last night, that's why my wife was going to Luke, or in Luke 17. And that's uh, just a weird part of Scripture. It's an end-time stuff, and, and they're like, what do you think of this? I, I have no idea. It's okay that we don't know, but we serve someone who does know. And we're in relationships. So humbleness in that place of prayer is critical. It's coming and saying, Lord, I don't know. And when we begin to pray that way, things begin to change. You have to understand this. Jesus, who knew no sin. So here's how I, when I think about Rich Van Proyen, I think about the spirit that is inside of me and the world that is around me. Do you know there is a lot of Richard in between that spirit and this world? And I, and, I, and I tend to think that it gets filtered between the purity of Jesus that's deep inside of me and the expression of Jesus in the world. You ever find that about you? It just because it's got to move through a whole bunch of junk. Jesus didn't have any of that junk. And yet, when it came to choosing his disciples, you find that he prayed all night. And so if Jesus prayed all night about the people he was going to be leading... How important is it for us? Now, uh, I wonder when Scripture says he prayed all night, the ability for anybody to stay up all night is pretty incredible to me because I see sleep as a spiritual gift. But here's what happens. When you begin to pray for the people around you, I'm talking about your circle of influence, and I, and I want you to, in this, in this case, I just want you to set your family off to the side. But when you think about your circle of influence, your coworkers, the people that you, you do hobbies with, the people that you, that you kind of hang out with, when you pray for them, here's what happens. You end up receiving from the Lord this humility of love. You, you begin to have feelings for this person uh, that is different than everyone else. Because, first of all, if they're a know-it-all, they're going to hard be hard to be around anyway. I don't know how, you, some of you may be way more spiritual than me, but when I meet a, a, a know-it-all, the first thing I want to do is just slap him in the face with the five-fold ministry. <laughs> There's no part of me that, that has that love. But when I, when, I, when I humble myself and I say, Lord, I need to start praying for them. Because what you find that, that it's not written here, but Jesus was certainly praying for Nathaniel well before the meeting. And you find that you, you start having this love, this, they, they, they begin to come to your mind more often. You begin to have a, a caring and a feeling for them. And then from that, what happens is you move from this humbleness and you begin to have an awareness. Jesus said to Nathaniel, I saw you. Now, this can only mean two things. This can only mean that either Jesus was hiding in the bushes somewhere and saw him under the fig tree. Not that Jesus was hiding in the bushes. That's, 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 that's one possibility. The other possibility is that whenever Jesus saw him, he kind of stood out from the crowd. And then when Jesus was praying, the Almighty God 
knew what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree and just showed him under the fig tree. Supernaturally. And so when Jesus comes before Nathaniel, he said, I saw you. One of the people in our, one of our groups that uh, they, they began to develop their, their circle of influence. They wrote the names down. And they, they began to pray for their circle of influence. And as this particular person began to pray for their circle of influence, they said there was just one that really began to stand out to them. They became aware of one more than the others. And they, they coined this phrase that they thought that really should become part of Bethel, who's your one? Because that's what happens when you humble yourselves and say, Lord, I don't, they're all heathens. I don't know which one you're drawing to yourself. But he knows. And so he begins to make us aware. But you also find in the scripture, here he's walking up and Jesus identifies his character right off the bat. Here's a guy, and this I'm paraphrasing. Here's a guy, this is Jesus saying this. Here's a guy who lays it out all on the table. If you want to know what he's thinking, you're never going to wonder if you know what he's thinking. He's going to tell you. He's without guile. He's got it out there. He's out there in front. Remember for praying for this Apache guy when Clarissa and I were on the reservation. And I, he was coming for healing. And, and as I began to pray for healing in his body, the Lord said, I can't heal him. He has unforgiveness. And so I stopped. And I said, you know, the Lord said you have some unforgiveness that you got to resolve. And you know what? He lied to me. And in that moment, you know what the Lord did? The Lord revealed character through the gift of knowledge. By the way, he wasn't healed. But it was not somebody I knew, but it was somebody that the Lord knew. And you have to understand this about Nathaniel. Before Nathaniel knew the Lord, the Lord knew Nathaniel. And so in this awareness, we move to really a skillfulness. Because, uh, listen, when somebody receives a gift, a gift, it doesn't know that, mean that they automatically know how to use it. If someone, by the way, was to walk up and hand me a switchblade as a gift, I could take right now and use it. Because back in the day, somebody gave me a switchblade. And I learned how to quickly open that thing and flip it around. And I look like a gangsta. I mean, I really fit in East Fort Worth. Okay, I just flipped that thing around. But I, had to, but I had to have the gift in my hand and practice it before I could actually use it. This is where the body of Christ is so important. It's in the body of Christ that we begin to practice. Do you know that what we're in right now is called a sanctuary? A sanctuary is a safe place. So a good place to begin to, to, to practice the gift of knowledge, or any other gift for that matter, is in the sanctuary. I think another uh, and even more uh, effective place to use that, to, to really learn it, is in your life groups. Back in Arizona, in, when, in a life group that Clarissa and I attended, there was the chair. It was called the African Ambush. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And you sat there, and the people around would begin to pray. And the people that were praying could receive 
words of knowledge. It's a place to practice. And when you begin to practice it, you begin to recognize there are times and moments where the Lord is developing that because here's what is going to immediately happen. If you've ever stepped out in the spiritual gift, here's the thoughts are going to come. Wait a minute, is this me or God? The good thing about being clueless like Rich Van Proyen is you don't even care, you just go. And then on the backside, you went, yeah, yeah, that must have been God. I'm telling you, that happens to me more than any other time. I just, oh yeah, okay, hindsight, that must have been God there. This is one of the reasons I think it's important that when I say you set your family aside in this kind of thing, is you know way too much about your family to get the gift of knowledge. They're not going to believe you if you said it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? But there are people in our life that we don't know anything about, that we can uh, look and say, okay, now... I want to begin to practice that. Do you know, for me, sometimes the word of knowledge comes and I don't even have words. One of the most profound moments as a parent, and I've told this story a number of times because for me it was so profound. I went to Clarissa and said, one of our kids, and I, I named it to Clarissa, and I said, there's something going on right now in their life. I know it. Don't know what it is? And so I said, we got to call them in. We called them in. We, we lived up in uh, the mountains of Arizona. We called them into the living room. I said, what's going on? You're, there's something going on. The Lord's telling me what's the something. He's just not saying it. And here's what I get. Dad, you are crazy. And I kid you not, as I remember it, it was in that moment that the phone rang. And it was the principal of the school. Because we, know, we serve a God who knows all things all the time at one time. And he begins to show us things and he begins to allow us to, to recognize there are things that are outside of my human limitations that he wants dealt with that will overcome arguments and opinions and beliefs. And if there's ever a day that we've got to move into that, it's today. So what does that look like in our week? How can we go with this? Well, let me give you three, three other words because obviously I'm a preacher and there's always coming threes. But there's a link, there's a look, there's a listen. In this scripture, you find that, that Nathaniel doesn't get there by himself. Jesus is already linked to someone. He's already linked to the people in the same town. And that's where our life groups become vitally important. We've got to be linking with people about these things. Because we don't know, we can assume that, that God wants to give us the gift of knowledge for someone in our circle, but do you realize God may give you a word for someone in someone else's circle? But when we're linking together in, the, in life groups, now you have someone that, that expands where that gift can be used, and it also is a place where now the other people can help you grow spiritually here. I think a good question for our groups is, okay, what's God saying about your, your circle of influence? Well, here's going to be the response probably the first time that question is asked. I have no idea. Great. We need to start praying about that. We need to start seeking the God in all humbleness to give us the answers to these questions. Because I guarantee you, they have seen the knucklehead on Facebook, they have watched the knucklehead on TikTok, and they're out there giving these weird things that, that people are connecting to, but that can be overcome with supernatural knowledge. 
So who's helping you grow into this? Because when, when you're linked to someone, then the natural next thing is you start this, now I'm going to start looking. Now I'm going to discover the one. I'm going to discover where God wants this gift given. Because of all the spiritual gifts, the gifts are not given for you. They're giving for us to use for someone else. They're given to us to pass on. So who is the Lord calling us to pass it on to? Listen, this, when we start looking, now this is where igniting change really begins to happen. Because someone's going to have a bug-eyed response to the words that you're giving because you should not have any human ability to know it. The Lord will show you. Sometimes he'll show you when the person's not around. You'll start praying. They come to your mind. And they start coming to your mind. All right, I'm going to keep praying. I want you, Lord, I want to make sure that I'm fully aware. They know they're, they're going to come at this time. They're right on cue. I want to make sure that, that I'm given the word that you want. And so what you start doing is you start listening. And this is what we're going to take a few moments here to do is now you got to start listening to what the Spirit is saying. And this is extremely hard to do if you're listening more to the chaos of this world than the peace and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, if there's one area the Lord, the Lord probably, rebuke is probably a pretty strong word, uh, but he gets on my case every time I get on uh, not so much social media, but I get on, he knows the news sites that I get on. And he'll say something like, Rich, you're really going to enter that chaos again? L- listen, our world is so chaotic. The U.S. dollar is going to fail. We're going to not no longer have cash. We're going to enter into World War III and Ukraine. We've got school shootings. We've got the next great bug that's going to go around the United States. And we get all of this chaos, and we're listening to the chaos that the God of this world is creating, and we're not listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. So some of us need to, be able to, need to be able to say, Lord, I'm not going to enter that chaos. I'm going to make sure that I'm listening to you. Some of you, you need to stop saying on social media what man already knows. And you need to say, Lord, I'm not going to say the opinion of this political person that I agree with. I'm going to ignore that, and I'm just going to listen to you. Because what will happen is there will come a moment where you will be able to overcome someone's belief, someone's opinion, someone's argument with a supernatural knowledge. And they will go, there is a God. Now, it's my prayer that you want that. Wouldn't that be cool if we all came back with stories of that this week? Don't really expect us all. Wouldn't that be cool if we all came back with stories like that next week? Yeah, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen because we got to grow into that. Well, here's where this comes. I want everybody to take these three out here real quick. I, you're going to need a pen. You're not turning these in, by the way, and you're only going to fill out one. But I want to encourage you, if you, if you, want, to, if you want to move into uh, really this place where you can overcome beliefs, arguments, opinions through supernatural knowledge, then you've got to take a step. 
It's not just gonna, it's not gonna just randomly happen. I don't believe in, and I hope you don't either, in spiritual evolution. Spiritual evolution just doesn't happen. You actually have to take steps. And as you take steps, you find that God begins to use you in that next step. So if you go, I have no idea who, a, who the one person would be, then you're going to fill out the connect card. I mean, when you think about, I, I, don't even, I don't even have a circle of influence. I don't even think about who God is having me pray for in my world outside of my family. If, if, if that's, then you're going you're to end up writing something on here. I'll come back to it here in a moment. If you know that you've got that circle of influence, and maybe you even already have the one, and you're saying, yeah, but I, I got to grow in the gift, then you're going to fill this card out. You're saying my next step with you, Lord, is I'm going to begin to grow in using the gift of supernatural knowledge. And if you're, if you're so much part of what I, I said this last night to the group, I, we live in a day where our world, and especially our generation of Christians, we were, it, from, from heaven's vantage point, we are overeducated and underutilized. We can quote the gifts, we can divide the gifts, we can do everything in the Greek and the Hebrew, but we don't use them. And if the Holy Spirit is saying to you, I want you to begin to use the gifts that I give, then this will be the card that you fill out. You say, well, what do I put on them? Well, in this one, under name, if, if you don't, again, you don't, you don't even pray for a circle of influence. I just want you to write the name whosoever. Again, you're going to keep this. Whosoever. They don't have a phone number yet. They don't have an email address. But you're going to take that this week and you're going to go, Lord, whosoever you want me to begin to reach out to, you show them to me. I'm going to begin to pray for them. And it could be somebody at work. could be your next door neighbor. could be somebody that you casually come across at, at Starbucks or some other coffee shop. And then you take this card and you put it wherever you, you regularly meet with the Lord or you sit and have coffee or whatever it is, and you, and you pull this out and you begin to pray. Because you're saying, Lord, I'm humbling myself before you. I don't know who I'm even supposed to reach out to. Well, this one, you're going to begin to write names. These are the names that God has made you aware of. Again, this is outside of your family. Uh, maybe it's a particular client that, that when they come back, the Lord seems to, you seem to think about them more than others. Maybe it's someone that when you look at them, you have this feeling inside of you that is, this person is important. This person has value. I, I don't even really know who they are or why that is, but I have that feeling. That's the love of the Lord making you aware that that love for uh, them is, is not birthed out of your own humanness. Now he's beginning to give you this, this, um, this humbleness of love that I talked about earlier. So you're going to write the names. This may be multiple names. But I want you to write, if you know, and this, this can only be done by the Holy Spirit, you say there is one. There's one that they need. I need to help them overcome a belief, an argument, an opinion that they can look and go, how did you know that? Well, I know the God who knows you. 
and he wants you to know him. I want you to write that name. Who's the one in that place? And you're going to begin to pray for him differently. And there is going to come a moment where the Lord is going to say, now, reach out to them and say this. Can't tell you what that this is because I'm not God. And it's supernatural knowledge. But he will. He's really good that way. He really, really likes showing up and showing off. So that people might turn to him and say, you are the living God. Now, I understand that, listen, this is not an entry-level message, but you people aren't entry-level Christians, right? Am I fair in that assessment? Come on, you can help me a little better than that, right? So let's move in the spiritual dynamic that God desires. Let's make sure that we're not the Christians that are overeducated and underutilized in heaven. But let's go this week and let's ignite change. One step at a time. And so, Father, thank you that you're a God that sees. You knew us before we knew you. And you know the people around us before they know you. And, Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you are, you are helping us to humble ourselves before you and begin to pray for those who are around us. You are, Lord, helping us to identify who the one is. And, Lord, you're helping us to have the courage to step up and, and to allow you to show off, to overcome beliefs and opinions and arguments in the one person that you've illuminated in our life. And so we say yes and amen to you. Yes, Lord, what you desire, we desire. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand, let's sing one more song together, and then we'll close in prayer.
Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.